This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, and some of you may be watching today for the first time. We want to thank you for tuning in and continue to watch for the next little while as we discuss this subject that is based on a story found in the Old Testament, The Half Has Not Been Told. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. On Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And we've been doing this for a long time, and we have thousands of people in the United States and in all over the world that are studying the Bible course, and we want you to have the opportunity to receive this course as well. I've had people to tell me, Brother Lambert, I've been thinking about calling for that course. Don't think any longer. Just call. We're going to pause for just a moment so you can learn more about the course and so you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, beginning in the first verse, and I'll be reading the first seven verses out of chapter 10. Now the, when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great uh, train with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. This is one of the interesting incidents in the Bible. And our Lord makes mention of it in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42, where he said, The queen of the south shall rise in judgment with this generation 
and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The queen of the south came to Jerusalem. She was from Sheba, which was a city of, of Arabia, south of Judea. And she came to visit Solomon. She did not come to expand her kingdom. She did not come to trade. She did not come to build a military alliance. She came to satisfy her curiosity. Notice in verse 1 again, she heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. And she came to test him with hard questions. She had heard of the superior wisdom that Solomon was reported to have. And it was difficult, very difficult to believe that one so young could have such wisdom. Now, now Solomon was the child of David's old age. David called him Solomon, which meant the peaceful one. David had been called a man of war, but Solomon was a man of peace. Solomon was placed under the care of Nathan, and upon David's death, Solomon became heir to his father's throne. Right before his death, David gave a charge to his son Solomon, in 1 Kings, the second chapter, verse 2. And there David said, I go the way of all of the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. I don't know, but what that's not a very good thing for fathers to tell their sons today. Prove yourself to be a man. A man as God would have you to be a man. Solomon was given wisdom that exceeded wisdom of all the men of the earth. 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. Now that was the reason the queen of Sheba came. She wanted to put Solomon's wisdom to the test. You see, she came not only to satisfy her curiosity but she came to receive instructions that he might be able to give her. Go back to verse 1 of 1 Kings 10 one more time. She came to hear the name of the Lord. Well, you see, she did not know Solomon's God. Now, what was Solomon's reaction to her visit? Well, he was kind and he was patient as she tried to make a public test of his wisdom. And he made her welcome with her entourage. And he gave her the liberty to ask whatever was in her heart. And when she rose up to go home, this is what she said, The half was not told me. The half was not told me. The half has not been told. 
This statement could be made to every heavenly relationship that mankind has with a loving father. For example, who can tell the half of his goodness and of his benefits? David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The half indeed has not been told. The half has not been told about God. Through the ages, men have wanted to know what kind of being God really is. And the Bible reveals God. The opening sentence of the Bible is, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When we observe the universe around us, you were to go out on the, at night and look up into the starry heavens, with the stars twinkling like diamonds in the sky and the moon shining like a huge spotlight. We are reminded of the statement found in Psalms chapter 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Oh, I know what some people say, that there's not a God. But David said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why? Because the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. In the beginning God, we are indebted to the Bible to tell us all we need to know about God. We might observe the universe, we might observe nature, we might observe all things around us, and we might be convinced that someone, some power, some, some force created all of that. It did not just happen, but we're indebted to the Bible to tell us who that is, that God created the heavens and the earth. The half has not been told about God. God is a spirit. He's a spirit being. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is not visible to us today. In Exodus, the 33rd chapter, and in verse 18, Moses said, please show me your glory. He wanted God to show his glory. And then in verse 20, the Lord said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. God is a spirit, but God is also described in the Bible as being holy. In Isaiah the 57th chapter and verse 15, he's called the, the Holy One. He is holy. And in 1 Peter 1 and verse 16, Peter quotes a passage from the Old Testament when he writes, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The sixth chapter of Isaiah is the official call of Isaiah to the prophetic office. And it was in the year that King Uzziah died and he saw the Lord on his throne high and lifted up. And when he saw the Lord on his throne, the seraphim before the throne, 
he, he said, and he heard the, the seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Our God is a holy God. And he's also eternal. Going back to the passage in Isaiah 57 and 15, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. God is eternal. He lives in eternity. He inhabits eternity. Think about David's statement in, in Psalms chapter 90, verses 1 and 2, where he talks about God. And he says that he is from everlasting to everlasting. It's very difficult for me to, to put my mind around that concept, that God is eternal. But half has not been told about God. God is also omnipotent. The question is asked in Genesis 18 and verse 13, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, how would you answer that? Well, Jeremiah answered it for us in Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17 when he said, nothing is too hard for the Lord. There isn't anything that's too hard for the Lord. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. A half has not been told about God. And it was through his omnipotence that God created the heavens and the earth and all things therein. God Almighty is just as powerful today as he was the day that he created the heavens and the earth. But he's also omniscient, and that means that he is all-knowing. David said, There's not a word in my tongue, O Lord, but thou understandest it all together. He knows all there is to know about it. So Jesus said he even has the very hairs of our head numbered. With some of us, he doesn't have nearly as much counting to do as in our earlier days. But still, he knows how many we have left. He is an omniscient God. There isn't anything about me, about you, that he does not know. He knows when we're having struggles in our life. He knows when we have needs in our life. He also knows when we err away or stray away from his way. The half has not been told about God. But God is also described in the Bible as being omnipresent. That means that he is always present. That's one of the characteristics of deity. He is a God who is here, who is there, who is everywhere. He is a God who is omnipresent. As Paul told the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, he's not very far from any one of us. And he's not very far from you right now. Because he is always present. And one of the comforting things is this. He is close by when we need him. He is always there. Oh, the half has not been told about God. In Psalms 104 and verse 1, David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
And he says, you are great. He calls God great, and he is a great God. Well, in, which, in what way is God so great? Well, God is great in his creative power. Only God can make a tree. I like the statement made by the writer of the Hebrew letter in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God created the world out of nothing. He didn't take some previously existing material and then create the world. He made it out of nothing. He is great in his creative power. Again, in the beginning, God created. He is also great in his redemptive power. Our God is a great God, and the half has not been told about his greatness. And only God can redeem us. And it was out of love, it was out of mercy, it was out of grace that God devised a means whereby man might be redeemed from his sins. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, God loved man so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it is only God who can take a person who is in the throes of sin, who has been living a life of dissipation, and take that individual and make something lovely and something beautiful out of that life. God is great in His redemptive power. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Someone says, now wait a minute, Brother Lambert, you don't know who I am and you don't know where I am and you don't know what I have done. I remember being in a in a gospel meeting, on one occasion, a man came forward and said, I'd like to be saved, but you don't understand all the stuff I've done. I said, you're the kind of a man Jesus came to save. He came to save sinners. Paul said that he came to save sinners of whom he was chief. That was the reason Jesus came. And God sent his son to redeem us from our sins. He's great in his redemptive power. He can save you from your sins today if you believe in His Son, John 8, 24. He, he can save you from your sins today if you will repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. He can save you if you're willing to confess you believe in His Son. And if you're willing to be baptized into His Son for the remission of your sins, Galatians 3, 27, Acts 2, 38. Because Jesus said, He that believeth, and is baptized, shall be saved. Only God can do that. God is great in His redemptive power. Oh, the half has not been told about His greatness.
And God is great in His keeping power. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1 and 12 that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. And our God can keep us. I might stop long enough to state that we have to be willing to be kept. If not, we're not willing to be kept, He can't keep us. But God can keep those who want to be kept. And all the devils of hell are small when compared to God. Oh, God is great. He's great. The half has not been told about the greatness of God. Friends, God rules. And God overrules in the affairs of men. And when it seems that disaster is on the way, may we be reminded God is still on the throne. In our world today, there are so many things that are going on and, and there are times that we seemingly want to throw up our hands and say, oh, what's the use of even trying anymore? But let me remind you, there's a God in heaven, Daniel 2.28. There is a God in heaven who is still on the throne. Oh, the devil may be in the saddle sometimes, and he may seem to be riding high, but God is still on his throne in heaven. The half has not been told about God. But the half has not been told about the love of God. So some have the idea that God is hard as flint, and is unrelenting as a madman who is just waiting to plunge our souls into an eternal hell. Nothing could be further from the truth. Love begins with God. 1 John 4 and 8 says God is love. And He loves us and God cares for us. If men are lost, it's not because of a lack of concern on the part of God. If men are lost, it is not God's fault. It's not because God does not love them. It's the nature of love to seek out and to help the needy. Love cannot remain inactive. That's why we read in Romans 5 and 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So love cannot remain inactive. And man cannot remain inactive. Not if he loves. That's why Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. How many who profess to be Christians really love Jesus? Now God loved the world when the world was not very lovable. When, when we were yet sinners, Romans 5 and 8. But He loved us in spite of. He loved us in spite of the way that we were. And He wanted something better for us. And Paul said, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift, 2 Corinthians 9, 15, that is the gift of His Son. I like John 3 and verse 16. It says so much to us today. For God so loved the world, that, that He gave His only begotten Son, 
But whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That tells us about the greatest being in the world and that's God for God. It tells us about the object of God's world, of God's love and that's the world for God so loved the world. It tells us about God's gift to the world, His only begotten Son. It tells us the cause of God giving His Son. He so loved. He so loved that is He loved to the degree. It tells us the scope of God's love that whosoever, any whosoever, anyone in all of the world, God loves them. And then it tells us about the condition of God's love. Whosoever believeth. And that means that you believe everything Jesus taught. And then there is the danger, should not perish. Men will be lost if they do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is the promise of everlasting life. The great love of our Father which is in heaven. Isaiah no doubt uh, had God's love in mind when he said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. God's love is an unending love. In Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord said, I, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And God shows his love to mankind in so many different ways. He shows his love and, and his daily care because his, his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. And God's love is also shown in His mercy towards sinners. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. The half has not been told about the love of God. And I don't know of anyone who can even come close to it. There was a wealthy man in Boston that married a very beautiful woman. He gave her everything. She began to live a life of dissipation. And she left, a, left him a note saying, I'm not worthy of you. He searched for her until finally he found her. He went to funeral homes. He, he left notices at funeral homes with instructions to get a call. And finally, one did call. And then he went to the funeral home and he looked at her and he said, Oh, Nellie. If you'd only known how much I loved you. And it is said that he put one word on her tombstone and it was forgiven. God's heart right now is bursting with love for you. I have not been told. But you have to respond to that love. I want to thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, 
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.